How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good football Friday, and welcome into Grant and Danny. January 27th, 2023. Four o'clock today, we're giving away our final four-pack of tickets to go to the DC Auto Show, which runs through the weekend. Looking forward. To catching up with Alex Gold, who does radio in Kansas City, talk about the Chiefs at 5 o'clock. And we've got Randy Mueller, former NFL GM and Executive of the Year, joining the show in one hour to help us preview Championship Sunday, which is two days away. What's up, Danny? Hey, Bodding. I just came from that DC Auto Show at the Convention Center. How was it? It's pretty amazing, dude. First of all, the Convention Center, you sleep on how big that building is. It really is massive. Look, you walk in an entrance, it looks like a regular old building, and it just goes for... Miles, it seems like. We, we hoofed it all over the place. But I uh, brought the kids. Uh, one, a couple of my uh, son's buddies from his school were there with parents and stuff. Walked all around. We were on halls A, B, and C on the downstairs floor. And we're like, where are you guys? Because we are supposed to meet up coming from Northern Virginia. And they go, well, we're here. I'm going, no, no, we're here. Turns out there's a whole second floor all the way upstairs with you know even more sights and, and cars to see. Really, really cool. Kids were getting in pickup trucks, jumping up and down. Uh, my son wants me to buy a Jeep Wrangler. My youngest thought it was the coolest thing in the world that a red Ford Edge, just like the one we drive from Tedbert Ford, was there at the auto show. He could not get over that and wanted to, wanted to pretend to drive it. We couldn't get him out of that. Out, so out it was of your SUV. red Ford Edge. He, in his mind, he goes, "They got they got our car here. There can't be two of He's them." He's like, "Dad, expl- how did this happen?" I was like, uh, "Dude, buddy, they contacted me in advance. They hauled it in here. It's pretty amazing." Weird thing about me. I almost never go to car shows or, or anything like that, boat shows. When I do, I have the best time. Yeah. Car shows are awesome. Boat shows. I'll never own a boat, probably. I grew up on a boat. My my dad had a boat. I grew up, you know, going on the river, Potomac River down in King George. Had a good old time. Every Saturday and Sunday throughout the summer, we're out on the boat, probably. I'll never own a boat. Mm-hmm. I don't really have interest in steering a boat, driving boat a boat. Boat maintenance. Docks, all that stuff. Don't have interest, Docks really. However, you go to a boat show, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, I could see myself buying a jet ski if I ever have money. I don't think I'll ever have enough disposable income that I could just buy something like a jet ski for myself. But if that ever happens, I could see myself as a jet ski guy. I won't be a boat guy, though. There is nothing more fun than being on a jet ski. It's a best. It's, it's my one seat of fun activities for people to do. Motorcycle on the water, but safer. In a way. I now, and now someone it. could call in and say something terrible. Can Actually, probably. I'm sure. But for the most part, if you fall over in the water, you just get back up on the jet ski and you, you keep going. I've never had more fun. Uh, here's what I didn't know about the auto show. I know we're talking about the auto show a lot. 
I didn't realize it's like, I thought it was just like, what I remembered in my mind was, here's what's coming out in seven years, ten years, the car of the future. It'll be remote activated. And you, you speak to it, it'll talk to you like Knight Rider, you know? Here's what here's what's there now. Stuff that you can buy. So, like, if you're in the market for a car, you can just, walk, instead of going on 900 sites and having 700 tabs open and, like, I'm looking at Auto Trader or, like, compare this car or, like, Kelly Blue Book. You can just walk around and go, well, that one's this, this one's that, and it's all right there. That's it's it's it a shorthand. Was, yeah. I was wrong about that. I, I didn't realize how much current inventory of what's out now for you is right there. We got your tickets. You got to be listening in two hours at 4 o'clock if you want to go to the auto show this weekend. Can I start the show before we talk about the championship games in the NFC and the AFC? I'll allow it. That are coming up on Sunday. With an attaboy to the Washington Capitals. Hey! Last night was big, man. They yeah. needed to get points. It would have been better to have done it in regulation so that the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't get a point as well. It took overtime and then eventually a shootout. But at Capital One Arena with about 18,000 of my best friends, eh, maybe 13-5 because I'll say a few thousand of those friends were, were wearing black and gold. Not my count. friends. Not so friends those, with those me. Those nope. are no longer friends. The Caps jump out to a one nothing lead, end up. Leading the game late, giving up a goal, looked like they were going to be in trouble. 2-2, going to overtime, 3-on-3, three three, a lot of open ice against a faster Penguins team with a lot of skill. They end up getting through overtime unscathed, and they get to a shootout. Darcy Kemper, some big moments along the way. He ended up with 30-plus saves. Soft goal late is what everyone will talk about, I'm sure. But for the night, a 946 save percentage on 37 shots. So I'm, I'm going to allow for uh, Darcy Kemper to have you know, a stinker of a save attempt every now and then. Really good game for him. Goals from Johansson and Alex Ovechkin. The good guys beat the Penguins 3-2 to two in a shootout. They needed it, and you could tell. There was an urgency uh, to that one last night. That's what This wasn't your regular Thursday night run-through when you're just playing some opponent. You could tell that one mattered. Um, I feel like I've seen that Caps game a million times, and... Multiple moments where the Caps somehow don't score, come back to bite them. Like, I think it was around 11.30, maybe 12 minutes left. It was a shooting gallery at one point. Everybody sit, dink on the crossbar. One shot goes over. It, the puck didn't leave Pittsburgh's zone for more than a minute. It was opportunity after opportunity after that opportunity. the second period because the first period, the Caps just they dominated. dominated. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually thinking of, I think it was maybe in, in the third period is what the, the sequence I'm thinking of. And then they don't score. And it was 2-1, to one, and you just kind of feel, well, they missed their chance, and here comes Pittsburgh, and they tied it. And in overtime, when they had a power play, they didn't score. You go, well, here they come again. Just keep fighting back, staying resilient, and ended up on top, even though they were down in the shootout, one nothing uh, With two to go, came back each time. It was really, really fun to see. OV scored for the second straight game. It was a power play goal from his office. You may be familiar. Yes. One-timer from the circle. Uh -huh. Kind of a little lower down towards the goal than normal. But Ovechkin's 32nd of the year. In game 51 for the Capitals, game 50 for him, he is on pace for 51 goals. He is 37 years old. Alex Ovechkin has not had 51 goals since he had that exact number in 1819. He has not had 51 before that year since 2014, 2015, when he was 29 years old. I'm going to repeat, he's 37 years old. He is on pace for 50. One goal. It's just stupid. It is so awesome to be in that arena. When anybody scores, it's great. The energy blows off the, the roof just to, to the sky, right? It, it just blows into the air, and everyone goes nuts. When Ovi scores, there's just a different energy, though, because there is this immediate reaction of, at this point, with him chasing Gretzky, like, yeah. 
I'm here. Uh-huh. I got to see him score. I got to be a part of history. Oh, yeah. I'm a part of the chase. That was kind of really cool to see in person last night. So there's a... I, I don't know how to describe this better. You know because you're you're in the arena, and you're really not very far from the ice at all. In fact, you're at ice level, and you're touching the glass. It depends on the day. Sometimes your boy's in the nosebleeds. Mm-hmm, but this wasn't one of those days. Occasionally, a blind squirrel finds a nut, mm-hmm. and he makes his way down to the ice. Well, that blind squirrel is like daredevil-type senses, because sometimes that guy gets down there an awful lot. There's If I could bottle this and sell it, or if I could inject it, I'd be a trillionaire. When the whole place sees Ovi... Cocked and ready, with the the stick starting to move back. The pass begins. Oh yeah, yeah there's yeah. a the whole the whole the world stops. Sequence. Defenders are heads are turned. Goalers on the other side. That I can see it developing, and probably what seventy five percent of the time it doesn't result in a goal because it's really hard to score goals in this league, and the pass has to be perfect, and the defender has to be in the wrong spot, whatever, whatever. But that anticipation moment. Right before that goal is the greatest sensation on the planet. Like it's perfect, and I if I, again if I could sell it, I'd have all the money. Shootout, by the way, last night. Yep, live in person, one of the best things you can experience. Overtime three on three, I think, is the best thing the NHL has done in the last twenty five years. I'm sure a lot of hockey purists hate it and will tell me that I'm an idiot. It's just so fun. It's a blast. Wide open ice. It's so much terrifying. Skill. It's the best and worst experience uh-huh. you'll ever have. But a shootout is just neat to see in person right in front of you. Uh, it's it's great. It's the culminating scene of hockey movies, man. And I don't just mean the Mighty Ducks, okay? I know you like to jump all over the Mighty Ducks references. Right, that's the one I know. You just name a hockey movie, there's a shootout in it probably because it's so dramatic and so perfect and made for a film. And we got to see one last night. You ever see Evgeny Kuznetsov on a shootout? He, he is a snail's pace down the ice. The rule is you can't come to a stop. And I would bet... He he's close. almost gets in trouble every single time. He's close. He's just and he's just lulling the goalie to sleep. And they've got to not break down. They've got to not react. They've got to wait for his first movement. He is probably like five for his last five, if I had to guess, with this little snail move that he's doing. Just barely like the sloth in Zootopia, man. So he starts by in the all the way, like in the opposite blue line, or even beyond. Looks like he's picking up speed. Oh, he's doing something different. Nope. He slows it down. 21, 21 stick handles. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Lull you to sleep. Boom. That is just beyond impressive. Next stop, back of the net. Next stop, back of the net. Doors opening on the left. (laughs) Evgeny, baby. Evgeny means necessary. All right, football Friday. Let's get to it. Championship Sunday is just two short days away. Early game, 49ers-Eagles. Late game, Bengals-Chiefs. Do we know, did anyone say why the later game is the AFC game? Is it just a Mahomes-Burrow primetime TV thing? Because I would have bet my bottom dollar before we found out which game was going to be in which time slot that the game involving the 49ers, crazy I know, would have been the later of the two games. I also happen to think it's going to be the more competitive of the two games. Not to say that the other one couldn't be great, but Mahomes' injury might take away a little bit from Cincinnati, Kansas City. San Francisco, Philly, the best two teams in the conference all year long, kind of been on a collision course for one another for months. Do we know how that was decided? I don't. I'm still I, curious. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I I look for that sort of stuff, and also, I'm, I just Also, Philly wonder. is a larger TV market than Cincinnati or Kansas City by a lot. San Francisco 
is a larger market media-wise. I, I just, I don't know. The NFL does everything right. Yeah, is it as simple as the quarterbacks, or is it, is it some sort of broadcast rights issue? So I don't that's know. what you would guess during the week, and I've done a lot of digging, and I still never found that that's a rule. I mean, it could be, because what Danny's suggestion was, and it makes some sense, actually, Fox has the Super Bowl. So our guy, Kevin Burkhart, by the way, we got to try to track him down the next couple of weeks. And uh, Greg Olson are going to be on the call of the Super Bowl for the first time. But because Fox has the Super Bowl, you're saying maybe CBS gets the Catbird Seat AFC Championship in the better TV window? That was me talking directly from my took as I lobbed it out there. I kind of like the logic. It, it makes some sense. I don't know. Uh, but let's just go through them really quickly. 49ers-Eagles injury report looks pretty fresh for both of these two teams. Looks pretty crisp here. I think everyone that you expected to go is going to. Christian McCaffrey was dealing with a calf in the last game. He says it will not be a factor. Uh, My guess is it'll be a factor if he's five yards away from my projected rushing total that I need him to get. And then they'll just start (laughs) handing the ball to Elijah Mitchell, which is what they did last week (laughs) for the entire second half. Uh, The Eagles, the number one seed, this is the best rushing offense that San Francisco is going to face all season. The 49ers are the number two defense against the run in the league. Only the Titans were better, and the Eagles are exceptional. They are number one in a lot of rushing categories. Second best all year at yards before contact on the ground. Some of that is based on your quarterback being able to run as well and and getting yards around the edge on read option, which, which helps with that average, but... I have a hard time believing that the Cincinnati-Kansas City game is going to be as good as San Fran and Philly just because all whatever you got that you do well for the pick your team, the other team's strength is also opposite that. Is, yeah. is the same. You know, it's like you, you run the ball well. San Francisco shuts it down. Oh, the 49ers have this awesome scheme where they get everybody open. The Eagles have Bradbury and Slay, who have been exceptional. They've been sensational in coverage all year long. Oh, Brock Purdy's unfazed. You cannot get to this guy. You can't confuse him. Oh, the Eagles had 70 sacks this year. They had how many? 15 more than any other team. And last week got pressures out the wazoo against Dak Prescott. I just love this game. I cannot wait for kickoff. Yeah, it is an outstanding matchup. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, stylistically, it's not exactly a contrast. And usually, I, that's generally what I, I, th- I, you know, love when when those kind of things match up. You know, a team that plays great pass defense against the team with the great pass offense, or a team that wants to run the ball against a team that wants to throw the ball. Whatever it is, right? These two teams mirror each other in, in a lot of ways. Obviously, you know, Hertz is way more athletic than, than than Purdy is, and is such a danger on the ground. Thirteen rushing touchdowns over the course of this season, which is just a staggering number. Also speaks to the how efficient he is, especially around the goal line, right? And some of those keepers where you, you kind of least expect it. Philadelphia could beat you however you want to be beaten. If you'd like to have them sling it, enjoy Devontae Smith, and enjoy A.J. Brown, enjoy Goddard and company. If you'd like, as you already mentioned, how good they are and proficient they are at running the ball, it's one of those things where if they get a lead, they're not just one of those teams that's going to hand it off and get three yards and then punt it. They're going to run it down your throat really, really effectively. I I just have a hard time seeing either of these two teams getting a bunch of chunk plays. The total in this game right now is set at 46.5. This smells like an under to me. I'm thinking it's 24-17, 24-20, something like that. If you told me neither team gets to 20, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, think about it. The 49ers offense, we mm-hmm. give a lot of credit to for being good in you know, both running and passing the football, but in a lot of different areas. The best defense they played all year was Dallas last week. They were held to 19 points. Yeah, It's not like they scored a bunch. Totally true. Philly's defense is every bit as good as Dallas's. 
if they can have a comparable performance where they stop their running game and they don't allow Purdy to find anything downfield, you hold them into the high teens, you're talking about getting into the low 20s to winning, and that's probably the formula for Philadelphia. There is a chance, I would say, that the Chiefs and the Bengals is higher scoring, only slightly a higher projected total, 48 points, I think, on FanDuel right now. I wonder what that number would reflect and how the line would change if Mahomes was completely healthy. Because while right now Philly is favored by two and a half points at home and Lincoln Financial is a really tough place to go play, you could say the same about one of the loudest stadiums in the league, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. The Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite. Total is 48 for that game. I just, I have an impossible time. I'm probably not even going to pick this game today when we do confidence points picks in terms of the spread. Because how can you have any conviction with how you feel not knowing which Patrick Mahomes you get. And yeah. Can he scramble? Can he be himself? Is he just going to be a straight pocket passer? The second half version of him that we saw is not the guy who got $50 million a year. It's just not the same thing. I've talked myself into every scenario, right, where Mahomes has his Willis Reed moment and actually plays instead of just comes out for two minutes and is a baller. I've had the version where he's so limited and Cincinnati gets home, they get a lead as they have in so many of these games, and then they clamp down with the great pass rush and, and, and the like, that it's a Joe Burrow game or that it's you know ends up being a Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey game and nobody can stop him. I can't decide. So I'll, I'll go right up to the last minute when it, when it comes to making a pick here in this one. But I, this is my favorite game. I actually think this one's going to be the one. Rather, I think both these teams are so good, so capable on offense with the best quarterbacks that's why I think this one's just going to be a war. It's going to be dueling banjos. All right, so let's do this then, because I actually like San Francisco-Philly a little more. I'll make the case for why 49ers-Eagles will be the better game on Sunday. You are the defense trying to keep Bengals-Chiefs out of prison. Indeed. And let's open up the phones on this. MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067. Good opportunity to squeeze in a few calls here next. We'll get your thoughts on this. Which of these two games on Sunday do you think will be better? By better, do we mean closer? I think that's really what we're looking for. Like, Which one has a better chance of coming down to the wire? 49ers-Eagles or Bengals-Chiefs. What will be the more competitive, more entertaining, close game on Sunday? 800-636-1067. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was. I think he's been pretty fluid um, from the beginning, but, I mean, it gets easier and easier each week. Um, you know, Brock has – there's lots of times that the headset will cut off, and um, there's a number of times we don't have to use a timeout stuff because he's got a lot of those plays memorized anyways. Um, I think he gets better at anticipating the calls that I'm going to do. So once he starts to hear a formation, I mean, I always finish it, but he's already walking to the huddle, kind of finishing what I'm saying. So um, he's good from the beginning, and he's only getting better at it. It's Kyle Shanahan. Grant and Danny, welcome you back on the fan. That's one thing I think we don't talk enough about when it comes to Brock Purdy because the debate inevitably just becomes how much of it is him, how good is he versus the Shanahan help or the, the, the playmakers around him. It does need to just be stated as often as possible that even if you drop another seventh-round pick from almost any other year, into this situation, they wouldn't be playing like this. So, yeah, it's really beneficial to him, and he's got a great situation, just like Jimmy G did. Yeah. In kind of making Jimmy G's career, it'll make him $30 million this offseason to go 
play somewhere and eventually probably be a disappointment. Because you are better for having worked with Shanahan in this offense. You're better for throwing the ball to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and handing it to Christian McCaffrey and playing behind a good offensive line with the number one defense on the other side of the ball. But the fact that they're not burning timeouts because this young quarterback is struggling in the huddle or seeing something he doesn't like at the line of scrimmage, the fact that they're not turning the ball over a bunch. I mean, they have turned the ball over one or fewer times now in their last 12 games and only turned the ball over six times in those 12 games with Mm. a rookie quarterback leading their offense. Really is incredible. That's unfathomable. So he does deserve probably even more credit, I would say, than he gets because you do have a lot of people like me who say, hey, let's all settle down. It's it's nice. It's a good story. Yeah, I think both can be true, right? Where he's in an unbelievable situation. Factual. He's also really taking advantage of it. That's also factual. You're right. I think because we overcompliment, over, but we compliment the surroundings, which are incredible. Maybe the best running back in the league. You know, an unbelievable multifaceted weapon in Debo Samuel. As as good a tight end as you'll ever find in George Kittle. How versatile he is. I mean, how many tight ends are making that bobble catch that he made this past week? It's Kelsey. It's him. And I guess if um, what am I blanking on his name? Oakland, Darren Waller. If he's healthy, that's probably the list of guys that could make that play, right? So that that goes uh, you know on on the ledger for a completion for Purdy. But at the same time, he's the same guy who spun out to the left, had the vision, made that pass. I mean, it's all feeding off each other, right? He's he's really really impressive at this stage. You're going to make the case. It sounds like for the Bengals and the Chiefs being better than the NFC Championship game. The question we're asking you guys, you could tweet us your responses at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny. You can hit us up on the phones, 800-636-1067. Which of these two title games will be more competitive? The two best quarterbacks playing are playing in the AFC title game. This has a chance to be the you get the ball, then I get the ball, then you get the ball, and I get the ball. This has a chance to be like that Buffalo-Kansas City game uh, of last year, which was the game of the year. This has a chance to feature offense, which is what the league is all about at this stage. I think the other game, well, it's actually going to be very entertaining, but I'm here picking nits, is basically has a chance to be the pitcher's duel, has a chance to be a lots of punts, fair catches, field position, and things that frankly are not very much fun to watch. I think this game will ring the bell. I think this game has the potential to be an all-time classic. Yeah, I think that the upside for this game is definitely higher. Like, let's just say the Bengals play a nearly perfect game, and so do the Chiefs. This is a game where everyone hits all their bets, if you if you know what I mean. Yep. Like everyone is betting overs for the yardage for running backs and and receivers and quarterbacks, and it's one of those games where everyone gets to eat because it's a forty to thirty four, you know, thirty seven thirty three kind of game. I think we could definitely see that. That could be really fun and really exciting. There is also, to me, a small possibility, not a great possibility. But I think there's a small chance that the Chiefs, if Mahomes is confined to the pocket and not able to essentially do what he does as a great quarterback extending the play, that the Bengals could handle them. And I don't think it'll it'll ever get ugly. I mean, the Chiefs offense is so potent and so prolific that they always have a chance to get back into games because they can score fast. But... Wouldn't you have made the same case for Bengals-Bills last week is kind of my retort? I would have. That game turned into Cincinnati's defense shoving it on Buffalo. And with a healthy Allen, I would make the case that the Bills at home last week 
were a more formidable, scary offense than the Chiefs with a watered-down version of Mahomes might be this week. Is that a stretch? That's certainly possible. It's definitely not a stretch to say that. I guess if that's the question, then yeah, it's not a stretch. Especially with the snow and the weather, because you know this. I mean, if it's snowing or the surface is slick, Mm -hmm. that is an advantage to the offense out wide, not the defense. The receiver knows where they're going, kind of sets up their routes. The DBs don't. And they still had no problem. Had nothing. Held Stephon Diggs down. I mean, the Bengals' defense is probably the most underrated and undervalued, under-talked about side of a football in the sport this year, in my opinion, under Anaromo. So I just think that you're right. Ceiling is really good. I have a hard time believing San Francisco and Philly goes any other way but a one-possession game. Like, what is the script for this to be a blowout? That Purdy just throws three picks, that the Eagles, who had 70 sacks this year, have seven or eight. He fumbles twice, throws two interceptions. And That's it to me. Is they it, win 31-14. The slipper doesn't fit anymore. And you face a grown-up, badass opponent that is your perfect kryptonite for, for, for that offense. Maybe I'll look really silly when the day ends. But I think there's a much better chance that Mahomes may end up immobile and in the pocket being closer to just kind of another quarterback and not Patrick Mahomes. Hurts that game more than Purdy just plays terribly for San Francisco. And it's not like he doesn't have the ability to be bad. The guy was the last pick in the draft for a reason. He's undersized. There's all kinds of flaws. Philly gets a lead. Now you got to drop back a bunch of times. And that's the big question I do have, right? So San Francisco's offensive line is really good. If you go player by player, though, they're really only excellent at one position, and that is our guy, Trent Williams, at left tackle, the longtime Washington Redskin. On the interior, their right guard is named Spencer Buford. He's a fourth-round pick this year. He's a rookie starter. If you look at his numbers, this guy went to UTSA, I think it was. He is really good in the run game. And this is not surprising because this is kind of how Kyle Shanahan and Mike operated here as well. They like these guys who can, in zone, fit A little bit really undersized, well. very mobile. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you know what happens, just like some of the guards in the centers, the Montgomery, Lichtensteiger types that they had here, this guy really struggles to hold up and pass pro occasionally. And even though he's a, a big boy, he's six foot four, 300 pounds, it's just not a strength. Now, PFF graded him, I think it was like 62 in pass pro. Not a particularly good grade, but not horrendous. And that was for the season. Mm-hmm. If you look at obvious passing downs, and the best way to quantify that is when you take out play action, some of the things you do to, to kind of disguise passing on rundown, so to speak, his grade drops into the low 40s. Ooh. Like he was really, really rough this year when passing on a passing or pass blocking, I should say, pass setting on an obvious passing down. And you say, well, that's one guy, whatever, Spencer Buford, right guard. The Eagles interior is really good. That's the Javon Hargrave Fletcher Cox section. That's an 18 sack <laughs> tandem there. Yeah. That's, that's John Allen and Deron Payne totals, right? I mean, those two guys can take games over. So I like McGlinchey at right tackle. I love Williams at left tackle. I am not as sold on the inside Banks, Brendel, and Buford for the 49ers. And that is one area where if you say this game could go sideways for San Francisco, I could see that being a problem. But I would say almost the same thing for the Eagles in terms of game script. If Philly falls behind and has to throw it, can Jalen Hurts just be a pocket passing, they know you're throwing, it's time to make throws quarterback? He has been spectacular with his accuracy. I think he's actually been a a really, really good passer this year. But it is very different 
throwing the ball, whether it's short or downfield, where he's been good. In downs where the defense doesn't know what's coming. You know, we've just we've talked about this for years with quarterbacks who do a great job in these kind of schemed up offenses. It's third and eleven. Now what? Make your money. And the the third and eleven make your money game version is when you're down seventeen to three. When you're down twenty to seven in the second half. And I don't think, just going back over their games, I don't think they really had many of those this year. They didn't. Right? Where they were trailing. I mean, listen, teams come back all the time. It's on, on a weekly basis. Maybe not the 27 points the Jaguars overcame to beat the Chargers, but because of the, the rules and how easy it is to throw the ball, teams will get behind by a score or two and, and come back and, and the like. I don't, I'm just looking back over their games. I don't remember them having a double-digit trailing moment where they came back. Even against Washington, it was still back and forth until the very end, I feel like. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. But I, mean, I feel they like they started out down 14 nothing against Jacksonville way back uh, when they played them in October. Week four? But that was, again, this first quarter. Yeah, there you go. So I don't think you're overly concerned at that point. And they scored 20 some unanswered and took the lead into halftime. But yeah, I'm not saying he can't do it. I do think. But has he done it against San Francisco? That's kind of my point. No. I mean, they haven't. Neither of these teams has played a defense like the one they're going to play. There's just so many things about this game that I love. You made a good point, which is people like seeing offense. Mm-hmm. They like seeing scoring of and, and big plays. It's not like the Eagles can't do that. They got a 1,500-yard receiver in A.J. Brown. Oh, they can do anything. They got a 1,000-yard receiver in, in Smith, who's outstanding on the other side. San Francisco, they can strike up the band from pretty much anywhere on the field. I mean, Debo Samuel gets the ball with a, with a window on, on a screen. It's curtains. Uh, you've seen McCaffrey rip off big gains. Brandon Ayuk, I think, is carves people up. Great route runner. Really underrated. I, I love, though, I really do. Maybe I'm the minority. I love a 17-14, six minutes left. Great defensive struggle. Bad offense is a different thing. If it's 13-10 because the commanders are playing the Giants, that's not the same thing. But when you get the number one defense and the number two defense in the NFL this year, playing head-to-head, and it's 17-13 in the fourth quarter. Frankly, a lot like what we just saw. You mean to tell me the Dallas-Philly game wasn't damn good? Like, that wasn't bad offense. That's awesome defense both ways. I think those games are great. Those are those games are good, but they're still not as high as that 37-34 shootout. I, I hear what you're saying. I smell what you're cooking. I, I just like good football. I'm not going to complain. I ain't turning it off either way. But there, the, the, the gold standard for me is that Kansas City-Buffalo game last year. I, I want that in my eyeballs forever. I, I want that. I just want those kinds of games all the time where I go, the team that I root for can't play in a game like that. I want them to be able to one day. Maybe one day it'll happen. But that was that to me was perfect television. I want that. This is partially why, though, I know we don't need to get to the Super Bowl just yet, but when you look ahead to the Super Bowl, uh-huh. I think whatever matchup we get is going to be excellent. Because it's an excellent team, yeah. Because you're going to get defense running game out of the NFC pretty much. And more of a, you know, the Bengals like to run it a little bit more. And the, the Chiefs, to their credit, have become physical up front with Isaiah Pacheco. But it's going to be a little bit more spread you out. Let's sling it around from the AFC. And the NFC is trying to, to punch you in the mouth a little bit more. And I just, I love those contrasting styles. Clashes yeah, all of about styles. It. All about it. Can be really, really fun. He's Danny. I'm Grant. You can hit us up again at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny on Twitter. You want to keep the conversation going on this uh, topic there. Next, Steve Wilkes. Saved the Panthers' season as an interim head coach and didn't get their head coaching job. We've seen this trend recently in the NFL 
Is this a problem for the league in some way? We can dive into that on GND here on the fan. Vaughn in his career, hired by the Browns as a defensive coordinator under Freddie Kitchens, who hindsight has become wisdom here. He would have been a better head coach than Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. Hmm. But after being in Cleveland and then going to the University of Missouri where he was their defensive coordinator under, I think it was uh, Drinkwitz there at the time, Eliah Drinkwitz uh, was the head coach. He goes back to Carolina, second stint there. He was a coordinator at one point under Ron Rivera. Uh, He works under Matt Rule as the defensive pass game coordinator, secondary coach. And when they hired Matt Rule, he took over. And down the stretch this season, he went 5-2 and two with the Carolina Panthers over those final seven games. Ultimately, 6-6 six and six with the Panthers as they, as a 500 team under him, remained in the playoff hunt despite firing rule and despite trading McCaffrey, their best player, in kind of a full-on tank mode. He wouldn't allow them to tank just by preparing them and getting them motivated and they were beating the Bucks and beating some teams they had no business beating along the way. And while he did interview for the job, he didn't get it. Frank Reich did. I'm conflicted on this, Danny, because I think Reich's a great hire. I think he's a super qualified coach. And Frank Reich it should probably be coaching in the NFL after the success he had in Indianapolis. But it is noticeable to me that when you're an interim coach and you do a hell of a job and you finish the season on fire, mm-hmm. like, let's say, uh, Wilkes did, and last year, the special teams coach with the Raiders, uh, who ended up, Rich Passaccia, who ended up going to Green Bay, did the same thing, and then he didn't get a chance at that job because they went and got Josh McDaniels. It just doesn't feel right. It also needs to be acknowledged that there is a shortage of African-American head coaches in the league, and Wilkes, who is a black head coach, is an interim, does a great job, and now is looking for work again when Reich brings in his staff. So what do you make of this? It's, it, it really is complicated. Anybody that wants to tell you it's simple, I, I think I, I, would, I would disagree with that categorization. On a, on just on a, on a very simple scale, the trend of the NFL is what? Offensive-minded head coaches. That's what Carolina wanted. And frankly, that's what I want as a, as a guy that's you know, thinking about a football team. What works right now? What's the most likely? There are occasional defensive guys that do very, very well. Right, that have been heads of operations for some time, be they Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, whomever, right? But the trend line are look at who's in the uh in the in the title games at this point, right? These young, smart, offensive minds for a league that emphasizes offense and creativity and productivity. That's what's working. There are times where that guy looks like you've got somebody that's like that, and it doesn't work. See Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, for example. So on it, each individual situation, team or otherwise, you can go, oh, I understand that. This is a defensive head coach. He did an admirable job, but we big picture aren't necessarily concerned with admirable jobs. We want to be in the company of the elite again. You need an offensive mind. Who's the best guy available? And then maybe you kind of make your mind up that way. So that's a very simple explanation. But we all know this isn't simple, right? We know that everything you just said about the simple fact is there are three black head coaches in the NFL at this point. Uh, there are other minority uh, coaches, guys like Ron Rivera uh, and company, but it's it's dramatically underrepresented. You can always explain each situation, right, and come up with a reason, because that's reasonable to me, that, all right, Frank Reich, good offensive mind. Steve Wilkes, defensive mind. 
Okay, I get that one. You could always say I get that one. But when you do it over 32 teams over a number of years, you get the results that we all kind of go, yeah, it's unacceptable. How do you fix it? It's, it is it is complicated. Yeah, and, and how do you fix it is, I think, a great question because you can't, and I don't think you should, be allowed to dictate to owners who their coach is, right? Uh, if I own this thing and I want my team in the vision of Frank Reich's offensive scheme, that's what I should be allowed to hire and do. But a guy like Wilkes, after the job he just did. Yeah, what else is the guy supposed to do? In another field, I would say, would just get the job. In radio, if someone takes over in my spot seat or your seat and they just crush it and the ratings are unbelievable and the show sounds really good and CK likes everything about it, you go through the process and you interview other people. But if they've proven they can do it, they probably deserve a chance at it. They earned it, right? I mean, that happens in a lot of workforces and in a lot of industries where you get thrust into the fire to fill in for someone. And if it goes great, you probably keep the gig. It just does seem like... When you're an interim coach in this league, you're no closer to being a head coach. And I say that, and I am expecting Jeff Saturday, who did an awful job and was exposed as not being ready, to possibly get the Colts job. And I'm going to tell you, just as bad as it was the first time and how awful that looked when he was unqualified and got that job for no reason, other than being friends with the owner, if he gets hired again this time, it'll look worse. Because you got a guy like Steve Wilkes, who just did the job he did as an interim head coach, who won't get the Panthers' job. But Jeff Saturday winning one time will get the Colts' job, potentially? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. This isn't a fairness league. We know that, right? There's nothing about it that's fair. It's all short-lived. The the standards are ever-moving and ever-changing. But you just you feel for guys like Steve Wilkes. What else could that guy have done? Right, seems like an amazing dude who, who got blood out of a stone in that rotten group of people. Let's ask Randy Mueller about this. He is a former NFL GM and an executive of the year. We're also going to get his thoughts and picks on this weekend's games. Championship Sunday looming. We're Grant and Danny. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.